Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. This episode features Brittany Turner sharing the birth of her rainbow baby. Having suffered four miscarriages, the pregnancy of her son was held with much anxiety. Her journey would take her to 36 weeks and her son was born via emergency surgical birth. We are so very grateful to hear her truth today. Hello, Brittany. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, everyone. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Um, well, my name is Brittany. Um, I have a son named Khalil. Um, and then I also have a stepson named AJ, but we don't really use step in my house. It's my son at this point. <laughs> Um, he's 10, um, and Khalil is nine. So they have become, um, kind of like brothers over time. Um, they share rooms, so they're getting really cozy with each other. (laughs) Um, they also have like a little game room and it's like Fortnite central in my house because, um, my significant other plays Fortnite with them. So they're the Fortnite, um, uh champions in the house i don't video game it's not my thing um but now i have three boys um because we um me and my uh boyfriend tony we had brayden so now we have three boys um we're not sure if we want to do another one i do want a girl really really bad but pregnancy in your 30s is a different uh beast i'll say that so um yeah, um, that's our family. We are a blended family. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Sure. So um, before I got pregnant with um, Brayden, um, of course, I've, you know, from the time I first had my son, my first son, Khalil, I had him at like 23. Um, so after that, I was in, you know, a couple of relationships and then I eventually got married um, to a previous partner. Um, and we were together for about three years. Um, and then, you know, we were trying to have children, um, right away. Um, and with him, I had lost, um, uh, well, had three miscarriages. Um, so that kind of, uh, put me in a space of, okay, can I have children again? Is there something that I'm doing that's causing me to miscarry. Um, so I did a lot of testing, um, with, uh, Brayden. Like I went to go to my OBGYN and see if there were, if there was anything going on as to why I kept miscarrying. Um, so kind of all tests came back, even genetic testing. I did that as well. Um, because one of my miscarriages, they actually did test like the last miscarriage I had. Um, and there was, um, it told me it was a girl and she had a certain syndrome that only girl, um, I guess babies can have when they're developing. I think it was called tri- trigonomy or something, something, something trig, T-R, some, T-R-I, something. Um, but it was a genetic condition and that's why I uh, that baby didn't make it. So I did do genetic testing after that and everything on both our sides and everything came back fine. Um, and then, um, I think eventually, um, 
So um, I went to my OBGYN um, just to be sure like my uterus was straight right and there was nothing going on if I did want to have um, a baby again with my new partner. So go back just a second. <laughs> My previous partner that I had um, miscarriages with, it probably put like a real strain on our relationship, maybe. Um, and then also it was like I would lose a baby at like right at that three month mark. Um, and I think like the last time I was like almost like right at that three month about to get out my, uh, you know, going into the second trimester. And I'm like, oh, OK, you know. The baby made it. I'm going to be okay. And then, uh, no, that, that didn't happen. Um, and that kind of probably put a really strain in our relationship. And on the top, on top of that, every time I got pregnant, I would just gain weight and like my body was preparing <laughs> to have a baby, I guess. So I would just gain weight and, um, weight has always been a struggle, but I, I just feel like in those, uh, three three or four years that I was experiencing miscarriages and my whole reproductive system was just like off um it was a lot of like stress on my body stress on my mind anxiety all of those things that you would have during that time um and so yeah I didn't know if I could have I never after that last one I thought mm, well maybe I can't have children um so eventually, um, I did go to the doctor. Now, mind you, I'm getting all these ultrasounds, okay? All these ultrasounds, they're looking at me, they're, you know, they're testing me. During this time, I find out there's two cysts on, on one ovary and another ovary, and they're big. They're probably like, I don't know, golf ball size or maybe more. Or 10, I know she said 10 centimeters, so I don't know what that would <laughs> go to. But the cysts have been there my entire life, from what I was told from the doctor. Because my cysts included, like, they're called demroid cysts. So they have, like, teeth inside of them and hair. And, like, they were supposed to form something else, I guess. Or they were, like, leftover DNA or whatever. Anyway, I have pictures. But it was weird. I was like, what? I've never heard of this. And why am I just now catching this at 30-something if they've been there my whole life? Um, and the only reason why I found out I had these cysts, not from any tests from me going uh, for my miscarriages, I found out that I had the cysts because I one day was just walking around a lot. I work in food service, and I did like this catering event Um for my family and I was like on my feet for like two straight days like cooking because we had a big family reunion and I cooked for them and so um, I'm walking around on my feet and then like the second day something just hits me and like I can't even walk and I'm like why can't I walk what is going on so one of the cysts were like twisting itself on my ovaries and that's the only way that I found out I went to the hospital because I couldn't walk um Called, I had to call the ambulance actually, and they came to the house to come get me. And then I'm sitting in the ER, and I'm, and they're like, "We don't know what's wrong. We don't know why. Um, we're gonna do an ultrasound." So they take me the ultrasound, and then they take me back to the room. They're like, "Oh, you have 
really big cysts on your ovaries. And I'm like, what? I was like, I was just at the doctor. I was just at the doctor. And if he's been here my whole life, somebody was doing something wrong. So yeah, that's the medical system for you. But anyway, um, <laughs> I had to get surgery to get those removed. Um, and after I got those removed, I was not, uh, I did not try to get pregnant. I was divorced by then. So I was single and I wasn't trying to, I wasn't thinking about pregnancy, put it that way. So um, when I met my um, boyfriend, Tony, we kind of like decided like we, you know, we're going to lock this down, you know, uh, eventually. We haven't yet, but we're getting there. We're, we're almost there. Um, <laughs> but eventually, um, you know, I was like, I do want to see if I can have another child because, you know, sometimes when you get with someone, even he had one child, I had one child. So, you know, when you get with someone, you kind of want to know like, okay, would I be okay if I had another child? You know, am I, you know, is there any anything else that I can test and make sure? Because if I'm going to be with this person and he wants to have another child, am I even able to have another child? I don't know. So, um, I started to do some, um, that this is when I went into the OBGYN. So back to the beginning, what I was saying, this is when I went to the OBGYN to check the shape of my uterus to see if that was an issue on why I had previously miscarried in my previous relationship. Um, and so they said, um, no, your uterus is shaped fine. You're, I don't see anything wrong. Um, and probably a week after that appointment, I found out I was pregnant. And I was like, what? I wasn't even, I thought I was, no. So <laughs> it went from like thinking about it to like, okay, baby's here now. Okay. And so my anxiety during that time was like, if there was like a meter from like one to a hundred, my anxiety was like, like at 101. <laughs> I was like, really like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And I did not want to experience having another miscarriage. So, um, you know, I, I, I believe in God. So we have a close relationship. And I said, listen, God, I know, I know what you're not supposed to do. I understand all that. I get that. I'm sorry. But um, please just don't let me go through losing another child because I can't because going through that for two years and like not having an answer as to why still don't have an answer as to why I kept miscarrying was a lot to um go through at the time for me so um I would have to I was in the middle of starting a business I had a business that was a whole nother thing I had a business during this time so um, it was called Little Musical Chefs, and I had to go to my clients, and I'm dealing with kids. Now, mind you, these are little babies. Um, I did infants all the way to, like, preschool. Those were my main clients. I also did high schoolers, too, but those were my main clients. So I was going into daycares at this time, and so I had. there were times when I had just miscarried, and I had to go to work because this was my business. So it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with at the time, and I was just like, listen, God. I, I was a teacher at this time when I did find out I was pregnant and I was like, God, and I was a high school teacher. And I was like, God, I can't, I deal with children. I love children. And I just like, I, I can't just, please don't let nothing happen. <laughs> so anyway, at seven weeks, I go in 
to the hospital, actually New Year's Eve. I go to the hospital because at this point, I'm seven weeks pregnant um, with Brayden and I'm bleeding. Like a big clot comes out and I'm like, okay, so I'm miscarrying again. I just was like, okay, I'm miscarrying. So I go to the doctor. I mean, I go to the hospital. They say, well, we still see the baby in there. You're okay. So I'm like, okay. All right. So <laughs> now I'm still, imagine my stress then. I'm at 102 at this point. <laughs> Why? Why? Um, they said sometimes that's normal for you to have bleeding at seven weeks. I've never heard of that before, but that's what they told me at the doctor. So I was like, okay, go back home. Um, and this is in the, this is pre-COVID, right before COVID. Was this right before COVID? No, this was in COVID. Yeah, because I was teaching at home on the computer to my kids. <laughs> So, um, I got pregnant in maybe like October of 2020. Yeah. Because we're in 2022, 2021. Yeah. 2020 um, is when I was pregnant. So, yeah, New Year's was around maybe, maybe October, November, excuse me, November of 2020. Um, I got pregnant and then, um, I was teaching my kids online and my school wanted me to go back into work, um, because they were opening back up the building and I was pregnant and, you know, at the beginning of COVID, they didn't know what the symptoms was or what would happen. And I was just like, I work in like one of the biggest high schools in my County. You want me to go back into work with the Jeremy kids? And I'm, I'm the cooking teacher. We got to cook. not my kids were already dirty before, before COVID you want me to go back in them in there pregnant with them and checks COVID I, I can't do that that's not gonna work for me I can't do that um and then on top of that I had a friend of mine who told me that she miscarried because because she caught COVID no I was just like no it's not for me so we um I decided to um see if I could go on maternal, uh, like leave early, even though I, I didn't have leave saved up like that or anything. Cause I had just became a teacher. It was my second year as a teacher. So I didn't have anything like saved up. You have to have like saved up days to take days as a teacher, which I think is crazy. But anyway, um, I didn't have any of that. So I was trying to see if I can get like a medical type of leave and my doctor wouldn't give me a medical leave. Not only that, it was very hard. Um, once I hit like the second trimester, it was very hard for me to stand. Like my, it just felt like he was like weighing down on my pelvis, and it was very hard for me to walk around. Now, mind you, I was already I'm already overweight, so um, being pregnant was it just put more um, on me. Not that I couldn't walk before I was fine, but it just put a lot more, um, pressure for me to walk around, especially standing with kids and stuff like that. So I just was like, let me see if I can get medical leave. I couldn't, um, or they wouldn't give it to me. Um, so I basically just had to put myself on bed rest because they wouldn't give it to me. So I just was like, okay, well, I'm going to just, take the leave and I'll just, you know, take it with no pay, take the leave um, and see what happens. Um, 
so during that time of pregnancy, like I really just had a lot of anxiety and honestly, we would argue a lot because he had anxiety also. So, you know, not to sell too much of his business, but um, with his previous partner, he had also, she had also suffered miscarriages, but his miscarriages were more traumatizing for him because he actually had to see the babies. She was further along. And then I think one of them, he like, it happened at home. And he saw the baby at home, like coming out and stuff like that. So it was a lot more traumatizing for him. So both our anxieties, you have both people who have dealt with like child loss in a relationship (laughs) and we're pregnant together. It was a lot of um, anxiety. Like every time we believe an appointment, as soon as we get to the car, we'd be arguing. And I'd be like, why are we arguing about (laughs) We just saw the baby, the baby fine. But we just... We noticed after the fact, like, okay, we had a lot of anxiety during that time, but we just didn't notice because you're like in it. Then when you come out, you're like, oh, I was a little, I was a little crazy. Yeah, he was. He was, <laughs> he was a little crazy. Um, so anyway, um, back to let me jump to um the day, I guess, maybe about me being pregnant. Um, so I was uh what how 30? What was that? 34 weeks? 34 weeks pregnant, I believe. <laughs> 34 weeks, 35 around that area. Um, and I've been I was having like a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions the day before. Um and they were doing something in our rental. We rent this house, so they were doing something in our rental with the floor, and I was stressed about that. Um, and that was the day that I actually like went to the hospital and was like, okay. Let me see um, what might be wrong or if I'm actually in labor. And I was. So um, leading up to leading up to that day, some of the things that I experienced were. um, It wasn't like a contraction. It was more like of a tightening type of feeling that I started to experience. It wasn't it wasn't my typical labor that I have felt before. I had gone through labor um, uh, with my son natural. So I had to, <laughs> I had natural labor with him for like 24 hours with no medicine. So I kind of knew how that felt. Um, and then I eventually had to end up having an emergency C-section with my son, <laughs> my other son, because he wouldn't come down. So I kind of knew like all those kind of feelings. Um, so this one, he was supposed to be a scheduled C-section at 30 nine weeks. Um, I didn't have any gestational diabetes. There was no high blood pressure. There was nothing that indicated something could go wrong. Um, prior to me even going in to going into labor the day before the day before I had just had a stress test at the, at my, um, OBGYN. So they did a stress test on me. They tried to make sure he was okay. They did an ultrasound. They did all these things. And the very next day I had him. So I'm, there goes to show you the medical system. I'm just saying, because I didn't understand how I did this stress test and every, you did an ultrasound and then He's in distress, not even a couple of hours later. Now I know babies move around and all that other stuff and you can't help certain things, but it was just, I don't know, weird to me. 
Um, so yeah, stress test came back fine, but then the very next day, um, I was in labor. Well, I don't know if I was actually in labor or more so I could feel the tightening that was going on um from the umbilical cord. But it felt like it felt like labor and tightening all at the same time. Um the first thing that came up, um, you were talking about, you know, all the 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 appointments you went to before you like with your miscarriage is trying to just figure out what was going on there. And there being this conversation of like, you've had this cyst forever. Um, and I think about those of us who try to stay on top of, or when we are, you know, we're going for our yearly checkups that now have been moved to like, you only need to go every three years um, or something like that. How like the conversations of those are happening. I feel like, it's usually like if it's not abnormal and what does abnormal actually mean? There's not a lot of conversation about like what's happening to your body until later when you're trying to have children and these things come up and it's like, I've been going to these appointments. I've been having these conversations. Like why has no one brought this to my attention? Why has nobody caught? I've gone to the OBGYN my whole life. Why has nobody caught this? It's not like I don't keep up with my appointments. I do. I might've went three, four times. Cause I've been trying to lose weight. So I'm trying to make sure my th- thyroid is good. Run a blood test on me. I've done that so many times. So for nobody to catch it, it's just like, how did you not, how did no, no, no text, none. No, I've been to the hospital for other stuff. Like nobody, I've had my tonsils taken out. I've had, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody caught this. Nobody. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that goes to, right, like how so much of our body, there's so many parts that are connected, but there's so many different like medical entities that sometimes there's no, like, how do we overlap all these different symptoms, right? How do we connect? um, Hey, this is happening to me, but it might be influencing these cysts. Like, how do I translate that information to all those different care providers? And then I think the second thing that was really important that you brought up was the conversations between you and your partner, right? Um, You both having experienced trauma with losses um, and trying to heal from that, but also trying to move forward and then how that showed up in your relationship with each other. Um, So I appreciate you sharing that because that is big, right? Like that's, those are conversations. Those are hard. Yeah. It's definitely big. And it shows the other side of it, right? There, There's often okay. miscarriages are conversations that we have. And we've said it here on the show, like it often, often feels like it's just the person that was pregnant, right? The person that didn't physically experience it still mm. has a story. And, you know, a lot of times it's not even heard, right? Not even in their friend circles. They may not even mm-hmm. talk about it, right? Like, oh, she lost a baby. And that's kind of the end of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and making that known that it's it's okay to have those conversations. It's okay to, if you need to speak with someone professionally to have those conversations because a loss is, is still a loss. It's still a human loss. Um, even if you never got to really know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a loss of an opportunity, right? Um, for some some people, especially if they've experienced um, Mm -hmm. miscarriages on both sides, because that's not, that's not as common, right? Um, That he's experienced that with someone else and with you, and there starts to be this like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Right? You know, or, you know, and it's not as something wrong with anybody. It's Mm -hmm. human bodies. Right. Perfectly imperfect.
tell us about this birth experience. Um, so, uh, like I said, leading up to um, me actually going to uh, the hospital, um, I think that day, I felt like my that day my anxiety was really high. And I kind of had this, I don't know, an inkling. I would say that, I don't know if that's what, you, that's what I call it. I don't know if inkling is a word, but that's what I call it. Um, I had this inkling that um, something just didn't feel right to me. I don't know why. Um, and I sat and I sat on that thought for a night and then I woke up and I was like, something still just don't feel right. I don't feel like I'm okay. Even though my Braxton Hicks contractions were just coming every now and then. Um, I just felt like mm, something's not right. So, um, I think I went to the bathroom, uh, that morning and, um, you know, sometimes when you're in, when I'm in that last phase of pregnancy, those last five or six weeks you're in there, um, you might be looking for your mucus plug or something like that. So sometimes I might look to see, okay, if there's something there. Or, you know, because I was having those contractions, I was like, well, let me just look. But when I did look and I wiped, it was maybe a speck, not even, you know, like a uh, a glitter, a glitter dot. It was like a glitter dot. And I noticed it, <laughs> a glitter dot of blood. And I was like, and it was bright red. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about that. Uh, that I don't know. But I was still having these contractions. So I was like, okay, I'm going to just, you know, it's nothing. I'm okay. And then um, I, I got my, I got, what's funny is, I don't know why we do that. Like in our head, we like, we know we can feel it in our body that something might not be right. But then sometimes we're like, mm, no, it's okay. But I'm preparing in my mind and, and I'm moving as though something is happening. Because I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, where's the diaper bag? Is that packed? Is my to-go bag packed? Because this stuff is usually already done, right? So I'm like, okay, where's my bag? Is it my bag in close range just in case something happened? <laughs> and everything was already in place. Um, I didn't have a um, contraction app. So I started going on the app store and I'm looking for a contraction app. I was like, let me just start timing just to see. So I get this contraction app on my phone and I start timing and I'm sitting in my chair and I'm watching TV and I'm just like, okay, doesn't feel right. Um, now that day, um, both of our children were gone. They weren't, they were, were they at school? They were at school. Um, and we were both, both working from home. So they were at school and I was just like, mm, okay, if they do, if I do have to go to the hospital, somebody got to pick them up. And what if I'm not, a, what if everything is fine? I'm just causing more, you know, stuff to be done, you know, in my mind, Get mommy mode, mommy moding, <laughs> mommy moding, I'm having contractions. So, um, eventually, you know, I told, uh, Tony, I said, Hey, um, yeah, these contractions, they come in like every, you know, 20, 30 minutes back to back. And it's been happening since last night. You know, we had a conversation about that too, you know, last night. And he was like, okay, well, 
Don't you think you should go? I was like, and then there was a speck of blood. He's like, go ahead and get the bag. Yeah, go ahead and get the bag. Because <laughs> it's going to go and check and make sure you are right. Um, so I called the OB line um, to my doctor's office. They were like, okay, well, um, I told them, like, it was just a little speck of blood, but I am having these contractions. I'm like, well, you can come in. Let's let's just double check. And if not, you know, we'll, you know, we'll send you back home. I'm like, okay. So I come in um, to the waiting room at Duke and... Uh, sign in. I'm in the waiting room, and now these now these contractions are more intense. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, maybe it's not really labor. Maybe I'm just because they're not consistent. And so you know when you have contractions, like oh, let's make sure they're consistent. And let me back up for a minute. Um, I feel like. With us, sometimes when we do have pain, we kind of brush it off, especially if you've already had a kid. Um, for me, I was just like, I know they're just going to send me home if nothing's wrong, and I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to go in for no reason. So I'm going to just, we'll just wait. Um, now, if I would have waited too long, my child might not be here. So I'm saying that to say, women, if you have this inkling or if you have something and you're like, Oh, it's okay. Let me just, it's fine. Just go check anyway, because it's its not about being an inconvenience. It's not about any of that. It's about making sure you're okay. So sometimes we do that. We just, well, it's fine. And sometimes it ain't fine. So I'm glad I didn't do that that day and just like, oh, let me just sit home and go through the contractions. Cause if you're not further along, they're going to send you home anyway. That's what I thought in my head. So to get out of that mindset when you're having a baby. But anyway, um, so I'm in the waiting room and I am having these intense contractions. Of course, you know, I got the app, so I'm trying to time them. And now they're like 10 minutes apart. But the contractions, like I said, they did not feel like contractions. They kind of felt like a, a open and close kind of tightening feeling. And I didn't know, I, I had never felt that before. And so that's what I tried to explain to the, the, uh, people on the phone because when I got to triage I was not triaged nobody came out to take my temperature nobody came out to take my blood pressure in labor and delivery area at Duke Hospital one of the biggest hospitals out here in in Raleigh North Carolina or just any most people know who Duke is everybody know who Duke is okay it's a well-known hospital this is the biggest hospital and I was not triaged no one took my temperature blood pressure nothing for two and a half hours, I sat in the waiting room, laboring, waiting for somebody to take me back to a room to check to see if I was okay. And for me, I'm just like, when I look back, I'm like, why did I wait that long in pain, you know, before I kind of spoke up? But it was kind of, I did speak up and I said, hey, there wasn't a whole bunch of people in the waiting room. It was maybe four people in the waiting room. And um, one of them wasn't pregnant. Another lady, she was pregnant, but I don't think she was as far along as me. She might have been there to for something else. I'm not sure. Um, but I remember the, one of the ladies saying, look at her. She like she about to go into labor. They still didn't come get her because she was in there before me. Um. I don't know. I just felt like I was not heard during that time. I felt like I was just being ignored. And I was just like, 
Do y'all not see that I'm standing over here, moving back and forth, breathing exercises in labor, and nobody has came out to see if I was okay. So I tell, I go up to the window and I'm like, hey, my contractions are coming. The the feeling I'm feeling is like five minutes apart now. I'm It's on my app. See, I'm showing it to her. She's like, okay, well, we're going to try to get you, get you back soon. Not thinking, okay, these people haven't even came to check my blood pressure. They haven't came to monitor. They ain't giving me a thermometer. Nothing. No, nothing. And I'm pregnant. And I'm just like, I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was going on. So anyway, I um, I go into the, they finally call me back after two and a half hours. They finally call me back. I think I got there at like two, two something. Yeah, I think I got there like two something. Um, I was finally back like 4.30 and I had to go to the bathroom multiple times while I was in labor. That's what made me get a little weary too because I'm like, okay, I just use the bathroom. And then I was sitting down and I'm like, I got to use the bathroom again. And so I was like, mm, something don't feel right. Right, something don't feel right. So I go into the, um, I go, they put me back in a room um, but it's not a room. Let me, it's, uh, the triage area that you would have like at an ER and they have like a curtain kind of thing, or they might have some doors. This one did have a door maybe because it was in the labor and delivery area, but it was not like a delivery room or anything like that. It was just like a room, a closed room. So I go in, um, you know, I'm thinking, okay, they're just gonna, check me to see if I'm okay. They put the belt around my, my stomach. The, um, the lady comes in, um, does my IV, but then she had to call one nurse is supposed to do my ID, but then she called another lady to do my IV. Um, because this lady was a pro, the pro being a black woman that was the pro <laughs> to come in and do my IV. So she came in and she did my IV. That's the other lady didn't know how to do it. I, I guess I'm not sure, but, um, she comes in and d- did my IV and she's like, okay, how you feeling? I was like, I'm okay. I'm just having this really tight feeling. And so they put the belt on me. They was like, oh, well you are contracting. I'm like, okay, I know that. Um, we're going to send the doctor in to check you. That's what she said. She said, we're going to send the doctor in to check you to see how, um, see if you're dilated any, So she comes in and she's like, you're not dilated any, um, you're maybe a fingertip. So nothing's really going on here. And I'm like, okay, but it's, it hurts really bad. So that's what I said. And it feels like it's tightening. It doesn't feel like a contraction. Well, all contractions can feel different. So we're just going to monitor you 15 minutes. Um, and then if you're fine, we're just going to, um, send you home. Okay. So she leaves out. Um, I guess they monitor your contractions on this computer in another room because nobody was in the room. Um, And a nurse comes in um, after. Well, I I think this was the same nurse that put the thing on me. I think she came in because my belt had moved or something. And she was like, oh, let me put it back right. I think it moved. And so she put she puts the belt back. and I think I said to her, I said to her, I have it on video because um, Tony videos everything. <laughs> so he was videoing me while I was in there. 
in the waiting room, but I didn't know until after this was all done. But I mean, in the um, room. So he, uh, I said to the nurse, I said, yeah, I said, I'm just a little nervous because, you know, I have had previous miscarriages, but this one right here, I touched my stomach and I was like, this one right here though, he's made it all the way this far. So I, I think he's okay. And, um, they go out, um, the lady goes out and then five minutes later, a rush of people come in my room and they're like, turn over to your side, turn over to your side. I'm like, what is, what, what is going on? Like, what's going on? Why am I turning over to my side? And he's like, oh, you're my, my partner. He doesn't know what's going on. He just thinks, oh, you just moving over because um, you're, you know, they just need to get another view or something. I'm like, no, something's wrong. So I'm saying to him, no, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I'm turning over and he's like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Cause I could feel it. So they came in and when they came in, they're like, did you just feel that? Did you feel that? Did you feel that big contraction? So like I said, I think they were monitoring my contractions like in another room and um, the baby's heart rate at the same time. So when they put that on you, they monitor the baby's heart rate too. Mm, I just thought you <laughs> monitor the baby's heart rate too. And so um, she's like, um, did you just feel this contraction? And I'm like, yeah, I felt it, but I've been feeling this the whole, like, I think my mom, like, I've been feeling this the whole time. I told you that, but I guess they didn't believe me because when I did go to the room, the contractions slowed down. They like, they didn't completely stop, but they were going back further apart. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not in labor. Um, so then eventually, you know, I had this other big contraction, I guess they saw it and they were like, um, turn to your side. And I'm like, okay, I turn to my side. And they're like, uh, some other doctors come in and no, the doctor that first did the fingertip thing. She's like, hi, um, I'm Dr. So-and-so and so we're going to take you, um, to deliver the baby right now. And I'm like, why are we delivering the baby right now? What happened? And they're like, um, the baby's heart rate is dropping. And so we need to deliver him now. And I'm like, so all this time I've been laboring, my baby's heart rate has been dropping and we probably could have caught this beforehand, but we didn't. So, so they're like, the baby's heart rate is dropping and literally in like anesthesia, an anesthesiologist, they're rolling me out of the room. They're rolling me out of the room. I'm in the hallway, the OR or the the operating room that's what OR is so the OR is right in front of me right next to the room that I'm in the OR is right there and so they say <clears throat> sorry the anesthesiologist comes behind me and he's like I need you to give me verbal consent to give you anesthesia to, to give you anesthesia and I'm like yeah I, I give you ver verbal consent um he said I don't have time for you to sign anything or do paperwork so I need you to to say that and I'm like okay yes with, like what's about to happen because I'm confused I don't know what's going on they just telling me baby's heart rate's dropping um but they have the Doppler on my stomach and they're like 80 they're like no they're like 90 80 they're saying the baby's heart rate and I hear them going down and I'm like okay okay and um of, of course I'm crying I'm like but I'm I'm calm I'm crying but I'm calm and I'm like okay is like what else is gonna happen like what's going on they roll me into the OR and everyone, everybody that was surrounding me was black. 
And I don't know why, but I just felt like that was, I don't know. I felt safe a little bit because I could see my people around me. The anesthesiologist was black, the doctor that was about to deliver me, the nurse, everybody. So it went from me not seeing anybody at all that looked like me to me seeing a whole team of people that were black. And I was like, okay, this I can appreciate. This is maybe I'll be okay. I don't know. So I go into the OR and it's like something when I say it's, it feels like something out of a movie. Cause I watch a lot of ER doctor shows and like Grey's Anatomy is like my favorite show. So it feels like something out of a movie is how fast we're moving. Literally. It was like one, two, three. They're like spraying my stomach with some, some, um, I guess disinfected sanitizer. I don't know. They're spraying my stomach and the doctor says, okay, they're talking to each other. Everybody's talking to each other around me about what's going on with me, not to me. So they're like, she doesn't have a COVID test. Um, we don't know her status yet. Like people are yelling out stuff. And then another doctor is like, um, are we put, are, um, do we have time to give her the anesthesia in her back? Cause that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to get an anesthesia in my back. Cause you're about to do a C-section on me. No, they don't have time for that. They don't have time. Be they go, yeah, we, we have time. Somebody goes, yeah, we have time. But they have, still have the Doppler on me. And they're like, yeah, we have time. I think the baby's okay. Check the baby's heart rate. And the baby's heart rate was like, they were, they were looking at some something. And they were, they were like 80. They were like 80, 70. No, 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 no. We don't have time. We don't have time. And they were like, we have to put you completely under. Are you ready? I was like, completely under what? What is what do you mean completely under? And so I'm in there and I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's about to happen, but please protect me and my baby. I think that's the last thing I said. I wanted to tell everybody in the room to close their close their eyes and bow their head because we about we need to make sure this baby is okay. Like, cause that's how that's how intense it felt. I felt like if I don't say something, God, we need you to intervene right now because I don't know if my baby is gonna make it. Like, so they um they say, Yeah, we gotta put you completely under. They put the mask on my face, and that's all I remember. And I was just like, Ooh, ooh, okay. I was like, okay. Um, so I wake up and I wake up to these like bright lights. And I feel like I'm still in the OR. I don't think I was supposed to wake up yet where I was at. I don't know. But it felt like I wasn't supposed to wake up yet because I felt like I was still in the OR. And they were like, Brittany, are you okay? I hear voices. And they're like, Brittany, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know where I'm at. Because when you're under general anesthesia, it's like coming out of a deep sleep and you don't know what's going on, right? And so I don't remember that I was just being rushed into the OR to deliver my baby. So um, I think, I, I don't know what kind of consciousness I had, but I said, um, for some reason, I think I was filling my stomach and I was like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? And they were like, you're okay. You're okay. And I said, I kept saying, where's my baby? And nobody was answering me. So I was getting scared. Okay. And on top of that, when you're under general anesthesia, they can't give you any medicine for your pain. So I can feel, or at least that's what they told me, I can feel where they just cut me now because it's rushing, all that pain is like rushing to my consciousness. Like, 
you were just cut. And I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, then that's when I was like, okay, where is my baby? Like, I was like, nobody's answering me because I could feel something just happened. And then like, um, baby is fine. He is um, with dad. And so then I kind of got a little calm, but I, I still was in this other area and I still didn't see my baby. So I needed to see him. Um, so I go, um, to where they are, um, and I'm still out of it. Um, I guess like a recovery room or whatever it was, they, they willed me to, and I'm just looking and I'm like, okay, where is he? Like half delirious. And cause you're still waking up. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm like conscious, but not conscious, but a little, it's, you know, it's a, line. <laughs> so I'm a little conscious, but I, but I'm not conscious. And I'm like, okay, where's the baby? And, um, my partner has him, um, like skin to skin. I can see that he's like holding him skin to skin. And I'm like, okay, well, is he okay? Is he okay? I'm just saying, is he okay? Is he okay? And then he's like, yeah, he's okay. He's okay. I was like, well, what, what happened? What happened? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know. And, I guess he had been waiting with the baby for like an hour or so after I had him. So I didn't even know that it was that long that I wasn't even with my baby. But at least he was with his dad. And um, so I think he says, uh, Tony says to me, do you want me to put the baby on you? And I, I'm saying, um, do you want to, he says, do you want to hold him? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me hold him, let me hold him. And so he puts, him, he puts Brayden on me um, and then Brayden, moves his hand and he puts it on my cheek um i guess it's trying to tell me like he's okay <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm trying to cry <laughs> but he's like i'm okay and i'm like okay good you made it <laughs> okay hold on <laughs> but yeah so he puts his hand on my cheek and i'm just like okay he's okay even though like he can't talk but it was like I don't know how to explain it. It was like this connection that we like instantly had. And I was like, okay, my baby's okay. And he made it. Oh, man. And I was going to cry. <laughs> Y'all made it. Yeah, we made Y'all it. Because I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. But, um, so yeah. Um, when he does that, I like, of course, started crying during that time. And, my partner is videoing us, <laughs> videoing us our first moment. Um, so he caught that moment on camera, which I'm like forever grateful because that was like a moment that you can't get back. But anyway, um, so yeah, he was okay. And um, the doctor that delivered him came in the room and she said, um, yeah, I just wanted to come in and tell you that um, the cord was wrapped around his neck twice. And so that's why his um, heart rate kept dropping. And that's probably what you were feeling with your contractions. Um, but to just let you know, he came out, even with the cord wrapped around his neck, he came out screaming. He was okay. And I was like, okay. Um, and I wish I had more detail about like, what what more happened because I was not in the state to even like receive any of that information during that time because I'm still with one without medicine because they're arguing 
two doctors, I guess, were arguing with each other about what to give me. So they took a long time to bring me pain medication, which was silly. But that's what one of the nurses came in and told me. The, a black nurse came in and she said, yeah, I'm sitting there arguing with them about giving you medicine while she's giving me the medicine. So I thought that was weird. But um, I she gave the doctor gave me that little snippet and then I never saw her again. So I don't know what all happened. Did I lose a lot of blood? Any of those, any other things that, you know, you would probably want to know about your birth of your baby. I just know the cord was wrapped around his neck and his heart rate was dropping. That's all I know. So I don't know if there was like something that happened. Did the baby turn? Could you give me more information? I've like tried to reach out to them and they, no callback. I don't know if it's because... <laughs> that went that um I posted about my birth story so I posted about my birth story on Instagram you know the fact that I've I've gone through miscarriages um and um that me and God had a conversation about you know God please just don't let this one let this one be okay um and even in that moment of me of thinking that I might lose him when I was in the ER, I said, okay, you know, I prayed and asked God to make sure the baby was okay. But um, it also made me think back to when I was seven weeks pregnant, when we thought we were losing him, uh, losing Brayden, and I was seven weeks pregnant, um, I had came back home and had a conversation with God. Then again, I said, God, I just you know, I really, I really can't do this again. And, um, I felt like God said to me, I promise you, you won't have to go through that again. And so, you know, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that he's here. I'm thankful that, you know, God allowed me to see him even through those complications that I did have. I felt like it was just a test of my faith and having faith in him and having faith in the promise that he gave me that I wouldn't have to go through that again. And so, um, yeah, I give all praise to God for making sure we made it through that. Um, and with knowing all the information that I already previously know about, you know, black women and infant mortality and, all of those things. Um, I'm just glad that we made it out of, out of that because most of the time we're not heard. And I even told my partner before we went, went in, I said, listen, this is my birth plan. I had it on my phone. This is my birth plan. If you feel as though they are not doing something, I need you to advocate on my behalf. If I cannot, I need you to talk for me. If I cannot, because these doctors some of them don't care. They don't care if I live or die. They don't care if your baby lives or die. So that's what we're dealing with. I need you to make sure you advocate for me. <laughs> so to have all this happen, um, it just wasn't something that I was, you know, expecting. Nobody's expecting something like this to happen. Um, so yeah, to me, his birth was a miracle for me to be able to catch it in time. You know, um, I know a lot of women who are, you know, they make it to 34, 35 weeks and then they lose their child because of something like this. The cord was wrapped around the neck, the baby had no oxygen. And then you have no, you know, you don't have any way of knowing. Um, so yeah, that was his birth.
Thank you for sharing that. That was really emotional for all of us. No, no, no. It's not an apology for that. That's, I mean, that's your experience. I know for me, like my whole body was tense, like listening to it. So I know yours was. I was just like, okay, now I can relax. Everybody's okay. And I already knew you guys were okay. Like I already knew the ending, right? (laughs) Um, And I'm still like, like, um, when you talk about babies in these umbilical cords that, you know, our life, a life force within itself, right? Um, sometimes they do get caught up in there and miscarriages or, you know, the, um, not miscarriages, but early preterm birth or just the start of some labors, even if it's not preterm, can be the baby saying something's wrong. That's it. That's the baby's communication. We got to go. It's go time. Right. And sometimes it's before you know, sometimes it's after, um, everybody's different. Each pregnancy is different. Sometimes you can create a really long one. It gets really, you know, sometimes they're too short, too short. Right. Um, and it can create issues as well. Um, I'm thankful that you guys are both here. I'm thankful that you do have some, um, documentation big points to Tony for making sure that he, he probably got, he probably got all kinds of stuff recorded, right? <laughs> he got, he has this, a video of him recording me holding my hand, even though nothing happened yet. He was holding my hand mm-hmm. um, in the waiting room and he recorded that I'm in a whole nother world. You know what I'm saying? And he's just like, let me get a picture. Let me get a he was, he was but I love, it. I yeah. love that. I love that. He, you know, he even recorded me in the waiting room laboring like that's why that's how I have so much documentation of like what happened and when it happened and the times. Yeah, he recorded everything. Mm-hmm. He recorded me in the wheelchair because he thought that was kind of funny that I was <laughs> in a wheelchair. So yeah, there's so many thoughts around what was going on with you, um, to you. You know, having those moments of like not knowing that not knowing what happened um and as we tell all of our storytellers you may not get the story from the providers but they had to document it and so if you haven't already make sure you request your actual medical records and that will help you piece together some more information sometimes they only stick to what they wrote that day right or what they they have mm-hmm. in there and they won't necessarily get on the phone and talk with you um just in consideration of their own liability um but you mm-hmm. have a right to your own medical records and you'd be surprised about how much more information is there than what you received while you're in the middle of getting receiving care so they they get pretty detailed because they have to I think like danny said it's like for us, like we can only imagine the feelings that we got through sharing, like through you sharing your story and how that shows up for you. Right. Um, and that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you, you found this to be a space to be able to share, share those pieces. Cause that's heavy. Um, it's heavy to re- recount that um, and to, in a sense, we bring it, bring it back up. Right. Um 
but like Danny mentioned, like we are both we are both glad that you both are here um, and that you have those memories from Tony to help um, show you the joy that was there as well. Right. Um, that there that there was that there was joy in those moments, um, even though it was scary and and unexpected and just and the word I'm going to use is it felt like chaos. Like I kept being like, where, like Danny said, I knew what the ending was. Like, I'm, I'm here with you. Um, we know that your son is here, but like being like, what's going to happen next? Like what, what, you know, what, what is going on in all of this? Um, so yeah, but walk us through postpartum, um, you know, postpartum is forever. But walk us through those beginning parts of postpartum, like you're healing, you're coming back, um, like coming back to yourself after you had, you know, got like been able to gather yourself after all of that in those those early days, like um, returning home and things. So um, I'll go to my house. I'll start at my hospital stay. Okay. Mm. Um. So after I had Brayden and we go back to, they give me a um, room to go back to. They finally give me my medicine to uh, make sure that, you know, I don't feel this pain that I'm feeling. Um, and having a previous C-section, I kind of know what to expect with the pain and that I need to get up and move around quickly. or I'm going to be stuck <laughs> and not be able to move. Um, they put me in a room. That was away from all the other labor and delivery rooms. That's number one. But I didn't know that till I was about to leave. And I looked outside and there was nobody on my row. There was no nobody in the rooms beside me. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I didn't understand why they did that. Um, I would call a nurse for help because nobody... Um, they didn't continuously come in there and check me. Um, the answers I got were, oh, um, a lot of people are in the uh, labor and delivery area. This, this is why I had to wait. This is why um, I'm not getting my medicine on time. Because um, I had an IV drip of medicine um, for the first day. Uh, I think Toradol or something that makes you feel a little crazy. And I didn't want something so strong. So I was like, hey, listen, I can take a couple of pills. Um, that might be better than to me to do this I, I this drip because the drip is making me not good because I have the baby in the room the whole time with us. Um, you know, that's their new kind of standard. They keep the baby with you. There's not like no nursery. They take the baby out. They only take the baby for... Um, a car seat test and being circumcised. I did circumcise in the hospital. That's the only time they took them out um, of the room. But the entire time they do the bath in the room, they do all that uh, kind of stuff in there. Um, so um, I wanted to breastfeed as well. Um, and my breasts are a little bit larger than probably most. <laughs> um, a little bit more complicated to breastfeed. Um, and I knew that going in, um, so I told them, but what, what I was told because he was so little, so he was born at, he was born six pounds. He was born at six pounds. Um, 
right now, I'm sorry, I can't remember the ounces, but he was six pounds when he came out. Um, so they wanted to bottle feed him the breast milk because I said I wanted to uh, breastfeed um, because latching on kind of wasn't really a thing that he could possibly do um, coming out that early. Um, even though I did try with him, he was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You can't do that. So we gave him donated breast milk for a little while until um, mine would come down. So I had to pump for a little bit because um, it wasn't like, I guess, ready. Breast milk wasn't ready. I don't know. Um, so I only got like a little bit of colostrum at the at the beginning. But we were using donated breast milk with him um, for a couple of uh, for the days that we were in there. And then they gave us a few to go home with. Um, when I first had him, but my experience inside the, um, postpartum area of the hospital was horrible. It was horrible. Like I left, I left a day before I was supposed to leave because I was just not receiving the care that I thought I should be receiving after going through all of that. Um, I had one of the nurses, that were actually in the waiting in the um, OR. Um, she told me a little bit, but I guess she decided not to say too much because, of course, probably liability. Um, but she was telling me one person said one. I don't know if it was her or another doctor that came in, but someone told me, oh, you lost a lot of blood. And I was like, what? And that's all they said. They they wouldn't go any further about what happened. Um, so they asked, they told me they wanted me to take, um, um, it's uh, something for, to make sure you don't develop a blood clot or that your blood does clot. Like a coumadin, a blood thinner. Yes. They said something that Serena, I guess Serena had something similar to that when she was like, she almost lost her or, or she almost died after birth or something like that. So they wanted me to take this shot afterwards um, for like three or four weeks after birth, a blood thinner. And I was like, mm, I didn't have any complications. Why do, why do I need, like, I didn't have no prior complication. I didn't have high blood high blood pressure or nothing prior why do I need to take that but they didn't really give me an answer they were just like oh well you're at risk you're at risk for that so we just want you to take it just in case and I was like I'm not about to take something just I'm about to just shoot a shot at me just in case I don't know what the, I don't even know why am I taking a blood thinner and because I didn't have enough information I just opted not to I was just like okay I'm not gonna do that if I feel like something is wrong I can just come back to the doctor right that's what I'm going to do. Um, just because I was getting like all these different pieces of information from people that came in and out of my room. I was just like, no. Um, but the doctors that did, well, I mean, the nurses that did care for me, they were, I mean, it was just like, they were rude <laughs> to me. They were rude. And for one, it was like, I was always calling to see if somebody could help me. Even down to me ordering like food and stuff like that. Like no one came to, there was no sense of like, this girl just gave birth. 
kind of thing. It was kind of like, I was an afterthought. And I kept saying to myself, like, where are all the nurse? Where's the nurse? And I kept asking Tony, because he's in the room with me. We were not in a post, <laughs> we weren't even a post uh, delivery room. I was in a different type of room. And my bed was a bed that would like blow up and go back down, blow up and go back down. So it was very uncomfortable and they could not change out the bed, which I didn't know because I didn't know any of this until I was about to leave. And I started to complain because I said, hey, what, what, why am I calling for somebody to keep coming to my room to give me medicine? Like what is going, I can recover at the house if that's the case. Just let me leave. Um, that was like, oh, well, you have to, you know, you're supposed to be here for three days so we can monitor you. I said, but nobody's really monitoring me because no one's coming in here. So who's monitoring me? You don't have a screen in another room. The screens are in here. So nobody, I felt like nobody was giving me any type of postpartum help. I was helping myself to the bathroom. I had showered. The lady came back and came, came in afterwards. Uh, one of the nurses came back in afterwards. She was like, okay, are you ready to get up and go to the bathroom? I said, ma'am, I've already been to the bathroom. It's been hours since I've delivered. I've already also taken a shower. Oh, well, did you mess with the incision? No. I also changed my bandages because nobody was coming in to assist me. And I just was like, okay, well, guess what? I'm going to go home now. Okay. Because y'all done did enough. (laughs) Y'all done did enough. Um, Because you were about to send me home before we got here. You were about to send me home while I was in labor for after 15 minutes. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead to the house. Um, so back at the house, you know, I'm, I'm, um, uh, I feel okay, but I, um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. When you're in postpartum, um, for that first three or four months, you don't kind of know that you are, um, in postpartum, <laughs> you don't kind of know you're still like hormonal. Your hormones are trying to get back to normal, and you know you might be a little, a little crazy. That's what I call it, a little crazy, um, a little snappy. Um, uh, so we were kind of both of us were kind of like in a calm zone for like two weeks or so. Like it was just real calm. There was no arguing. It was like low tones in the house. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, we also were dealing with me sharing my birth. I shared my birth story uh, like four in the morning one night. One of the, I think the day after I had him. No, the day I might have been the day I had him. Um, I was like four o'clock in the morning. And I was something was like, I'm not really a person that shares such like personal information to the world. Uh, I have probably very few friends. I'm kind of, I won't say I'm a loner. I'm a very outgoing person, but when it comes to like close, close people to me, I don't have a lot of them. Um, so, um, something was just like, you should share this with other people so that they can have hope in like, that they, even though it may seem like you can't have another kid or maybe you're discouraged from even trying again, you know, you should share this. And then also at that time, I was looking at all the videos and pictures that Tony um, had taken. He was asleep and the baby was asleep. And so I was up because <laughs> I'm on this medicine. So I'm like up. Um, and so I'm looking at the pictures and then this is where I see this video 
uh, uh, braided hold in my face. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> so I used that video and then I posted about um, my birth story. And that went, when I woke up, I was viral. <laughs> I <didn't> know. <laughs> So when I woke up the next morning, I went viral. And so I was dealing with that for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, a whole bunch of people commenting and people in my DMs like, oh, my gosh, what did you do? How did you uh, keep going after having those miscarriages? And I was like, uh, I don't I don't I didn't I didn't. It was like overwhelming. So just going through all of that and then going viral right after that, I wasn't it just wasn't I wasn't expecting all of that. Um so yeah, I was dealing with that for two weeks, um, um, you know, almost two weeks of that. And then ABC 11, uh, the news here in Raleigh contacted me um, and they wanted to, you know, showcase, interview me and showcase my birth story to talk about black maternal health uh, awareness and that we are, um, you know, as black women, we are more likely to die in childbirth um, and to have miscarriage than any other uh race so they wanted to kind of highlight that topic and I was the kind of voice or face of that um for that topic that they had and so um I thought that was interesting that was you know something you know cool to have happen and um so we you know did that for a little bit um family stuff uh <laughs> you know uh, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like to me, family and I, and, and if family heals this thing, they might get upset, but that's fine. Um, family on both sides were more concerned about me going viral than what actually happened. And that kind of made me upset a little bit, a lot of bit. Um, because people were like, oh, you're a viral and somebody, this celebrity shared it and, you know, Beyonce mama shared it. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. That's, but y'all didn't even ask me if it was okay. Y'all didn't say, hey, Brittany, you all right? You know, what you going through mentally or, you know what I'm saying? It was, to me, it was traumatic. So everybody else is in another state of mind, kind of. Um, and I'm not there. So that was kind of hard for me because I, I wasn't trying to post my story to go viral. You know, I was just posting my story. Um, so that was kind of hard for me because I was like, I'm still in the space of, okay, I made it out and he's okay and I'm okay. And everybody else is in the space of, Oh, look, Brittany, you on the internet, you know, that's the kind of culture we live in. So, um, you know, I'm not upset with no family and nothing like that. Y'all I love y'all. I'm just saying, um, for me, for me, that was going through something like this. Um, it was a lot for me to kind of process and I was processing it on my own. Um, I didn't have anybody to like reach out and say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm going through or, you know, this is where I'm at mentally. Eventually, I like talk to my sisters and we're like, I have three other sisters. So, <laughs> you know, eventually I'm talking to some of them and I'm like, hey, listen, this is this is where I'm really at, you know, uh, mentally. And so um, 
it kind of caused some arguments here and there or whatever, but you know, we're good now, but it was kind of just like, you expect people to be different when it's traumatic or if you about to lose your life, you know, and then they probably would have been had it not gone viral, maybe, or, you know, it, circumstances might have would have been different on how they reached out or how they communicated. But, um, you know, I give grace. We give grace. <laughs> give grace on this side. But. And we'll never know, right? You'll never know. All we have yeah. is what actually happened and how you actually feel. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, whether it be resources or um, any other parts of, you know, advice, any other parts of your birth that you think you might have missed? Yeah. Um, So from this, I started a um, Black Maternal Health Support Group. It's called... let me get the let me get the correct name for you because guys, I've changed the name. Um, oh, we'll be able to link okay. that too with your story. So, okay, it's called Maternal Health Support Group for Women of Color and Allies. Um, and I say allies because, um, yes, we are the population that is experiencing um, the significant. Um, you know, death rate and infant mortality than any other race, but there are partners of the opposite race that, of opposite races, should I say, or ethnic groups that um, may also experience the same thing and need some type of support, or they may um, be an ally. They may be a doctor. Um, they may be a nurse. They may be a doula um, that can help you work through those um Things. So I didn't want to, I wanted, I didn't want to disclude anybody in my Facebook group, um, but I wanted to make it um, a safe place for us first, um, because what I may experience and what another race may experience dealing with a miscarriage or dealing with um, the healthcare system, I feel may be two different things, just like with most stuff that we um, as black people have to go through, whether that be a job or, um, your career, we experience things differently, um, because of the color of our skin. And so, um, I formed the group with the intent of bringing support, um, for women, um, the intent of bringing resources. I want to have a directory. Um, of course, my son is still eight months, so I'm still dealing with that. And then I do have two other children. Um, and then also my own career at, at the same time. So um, it's not, I don't want to say something on the side. It's something that I'm actively um, working on to build up as a community and a resource page uh, for women of color. So anybody out there that wants to join, come on over. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, We're grateful. Absolutely grateful. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.